0: Today on CityCast Denver. Happy Halloween weekend. To celebrate, we've got Denver's clerk and recorder, Paul Lopez, on the show to share a spooky ghost story with just the right dose of city history. And to remind you that, yeah, there's an election next week, remember? Today is Friday, October 29th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. (laughs) Well, Clerk Paul Lopez, I know you because you handle elections and other things in the city like issuing marriage licenses, but your office also deals with records. What kind of records?
1: Well, I mean, it, it depends. Like we have the Beatles, uh, the Rolling Stones.
0: <laughs> oh, so you're a record store. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: man. Wax Tracks. No, I'm just kidding. I, I always lead in with that terrible joke. It's a dad joke, and I can say it because I am a dad. But those records that we have are marriage licenses. They're military release papers. They are deeds of trust on property, history on property, anything that's really recorded with us.
0: Your office really holds on to the story of the city. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you. Um. Just in time for Halloween, your office recently posted (laughs) a historical record on Facebook that included a ghost story about Denver that I'd actually never heard before. You set it up as a trivia question. And so the ghost story that you're about to tell us takes place in one of these four buildings uh, the Brown Palace, the Patterson Inn, the Oxford Hotel, or the 11th Avenue Hostel. And I don't know the answer to this. I actually didn't want to know because I want to be surprised when you you tell me. But I was wondering if you could share with us that that ghost story.
1: Yeah. This building is Denver's oldest surviving hotel. It was constructed between eighteen ninety 1890 and eighteen ninety-one by a brewer owner turned investor Adolf Zane. The hotel provided luxury accommodations uh, for travelers from all over the world uh, seeking natural beauty and health benefits of a Colorado holiday. So within just a few years, the building became one of the most iconic in Denver. But tragedy struck at the property in 1898 when room 320 was rented to a man and a woman. Two gunshots were heard half an hour after their check-in followed by the man bursting into the hallway, clutching a fatal wound the woman found just inside with an apparent self-afflicted shot to the heart. The man is purported to have said, I don't know why she shot me, before being taken to a hospital where he soon died after. The man was W.H. Lawrence of Cleveland, Ohio, and his murderer, a local woman remembered as Florence Montague. Though a clear motive, For the murder-suicide remains a mystery. Florence became popularly remembered as a furious mistress who took revenge on a man who refused to leave his wife for her. Single men staying in room 320 have complained for many years about inexplicable harassment and sleepless nights. Unfortunately, the urban neglect that plagued Denver in the middle of the 20th century did not spare our hotel and the once glamorous building developed a reputation as a blighted flophouse. In the 1980s, the city worked with U.S. Housing and Urban Development and local investors to renovate the hotel as part of an effort to restore Denver's history. Three years later, council would deem the hotel a structure of preservation. Today, the hotel t- continues to host visitors to Denver, some of which have traveled with specific hopes of a ghostly encounter. Can you guess which building we've described? Is it A, the Brown Palace? Two, I mean, sorry, B, the Patterson Inn? C, the Oxford Hotel? Or D, the 11th Avenue Hostel?
0: I'm gonna guess based on thinking about urban development in the 80s. I'm guessing, my guess is the Oxford Hotel.
1: The Oxford Hotel?
0: Yeah, that's my guess.
1: Do you want to phone a friend? (laughs) Or is that your final answer?
0: That's my final answer.
1: It is. Ding, ding, ding. The Oxford Hotel.
0: So, Clerk Lopez, also, it happens to be election season, which could be equally spooky if we acknowledge that less than 10% of Colorado voters have turned in their ballot so far, do you know how Denver is doing with our turnout?
1: Denver is still a little low right now. And I, and you know, what I, what I would like, and I'm so glad that you brought this up. um, You know, it is a coordinated election. Uh, You know, we're not electing the governor. We're not electing the Senator or the U S president there's a number of school board folks that are on the, on the ballot and a whole bunch of questions, 13 questions that are on the ballot for for um, uh, voters to decide. And for folks who are really into it and, you know, already established a culture of participation and we're expecting that ballot and it's our early Christmas, you know, of course, we're so eager to get it out. But it is so important. And I want just, to just really highlight how important it is for folks to treat every single election as your voice, like it is your voice, every single election is important. And in some of these races, um, take it for me, um, it is all, all. All it comes down to is one vote, and you got to make it yours.
0: Would you, in your spookiest voice, remind folks to drop their ballots on or before November second?
1: Everybody, we have 1, two, three, 41 dropboxes, ah, uh, uh, uh. Please vote by November 2nd at 7 p.m. Ah, ah, ah.
0: Lopez, thank you so much That's for being count- here. That's
1: my count, Dracula, because, you know, I'm t- we're I totally into counting all votes and counting all ballots.
0: I have one last thing for you in this spooky edition of CityCast Denver. I've mentioned this on the show before, but I hate being scared. I never watch horror movies, and I certainly do not go to haunted houses. I kind of just don't get the point of it. Like, what is so fun about being scared? So
2: we went to an expert to find out. Hi, my name is Danielle Look, and I am the person that waits behind the corner for you to enter a haunted house and jump out and scare you.
0: Danielle's been in the scaring industry for years. She started in Indiana at a full contact haunted house, as in they get to touch you. Gross. She moved to Denver in 2018 and spent a season at Haunted Field of Screams in Thornton. But her affinity for scaring people goes back way farther than that.
2: I like to tell the story about, I was I was an only child and I just would be at home with my parents watching movies on the weekends or whatever and my dad or I, one or the other, would get up and go out to the kitchen, maybe be rooting around in the refrigerator or whatever and the other one would wait and then sneak out there in the dark and then kind of jump up over the refrigerator door And then it was just kind of this ongoing scare feud that we had. If I see an opportunity to hide behind a bush and I know you're going to be walking by it in 30 seconds, I will I will be hiding there and waiting to jump out and scare you. It's just my personality.
0: And for those people out there who are interested in getting into scare acting, here are Danielle's top three pieces of advice.
2: Yeah, the very first thing is that it's a really physical exhausting job and people think you just stand in a corner and say boo all night long for me it's very physical you're, you're trying to make noise and be scary so you might bang your arm up against a wall and then the next day you wake up and you have this giant bruise on your arm because you've been hitting the same wall in the same spot all night long the second one is being willing to adapt. So I call that optimizing the scare, always kind of being willing to change what you're doing and see if it works better, if you get a better reaction. The cool thing about it is you're doing a 60 second performance every 60 seconds. And so you can try something and then you can immediately try something else and see if it works. So you have all this time and all this opportunity to continuously be optimizing the scare. And the third thing um, that I always like to talk about is my approach, my methodology, which is what I call the the three-scare approach. So if you only get one rise out of your group, you're wasting opportunity. Um, And so I think the best approach is to get the jump scare first. And then the second scare of the group is what I call, um, you go in, for the person who's in the middle of the group because that's usually where the scaredy cats are. Um, They're not gonna lead or bring up the rear on the group. So you find the one in the middle who's the most scared and you start to go in for more of a creepy scare.
0: Uh,
2: And usually by then it's about time for the next group to be coming through. You gotta reset for them. So you gotta start shooing out your first group. And I would get my third scare on that brave person on the back who's bringing up the rear. Oh, and if you don't have
0: plans yet for Halloween weekend, here's Danielle's recommendation.
2: In 2018, when I moved here, I did a whole roundup uh, for Westward. And I haven't been to every haunted house in the Denver metro area, but I've been to a lot of them. And so Haunted Field of Screams was my favorite. It was the most intense, the most like scary. After them, I would say Anderson Farms. Some of the people who are working at Anderson Farms right now are very well-known and highly regarded in the industry.
0: I'm sure it's a fun time, but I'll be at home dressing up my baby as Joe Dirt instead. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were Paul Killer Caroli and Alexandra the Axe Murderer McMahon. Peyton Ghostly Garcia writes our newsletter and our music is by Los Mocochetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe and rate five stars wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver and tell a friend about us next time you see them. I'm Bree Giant Scared Baby Davies and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) We need a clip of Joe Dirt just being like, dang. Dang.